Benign prostatic hyperplasia, or BPH, is a commonly known term. What's less known is a treatment for BPH called prostatic artery embolization, or PAE. Doctors Chadi Diab and Andrew Shabila, both interventional radiologists with UK Healthcare, will discuss that with us today. This is UK HealthCast, a podcast from UK Healthcare. Thanks for listening. I'm Evo Terra. Doctors, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us, Evo. There's a lot for us to get through, but I want to do a quick level set. Can you briefly explain what benign prostatic hyperplasia, or BPH, is? Absolutely. So benign prostate hyperplasia, BPH, is a enlargement of the prostate gland that is situated right underneath the urinary bladder in men. And as men age and it enlarges, it compresses on the urethra, hence obstructing urine to freely flow from the bladder. And this can cause a lot of symptoms and difficulties in passing urine in elderly men. And a lot of the symptoms related to BPH may be frequent urination, especially at night, weak urinary stream, hesitancy or difficulty in initiating urination, dribbling at the end of urination, or incomplete bladder emptying. And it's pretty quite common BPH. Just like my colleague, Dr. Shabila, was explaining, this prostate increases in size, especially with aging. It is estimated that more than 50% of men in their 60s and up to 90% in their 70s have some degree of BPH, whether symptomatic or not. Now, obviously the question, like, how do we diagnose this BPH, right? Some patients may have these symptoms. Typically, like, they wouldn't go to urologists. That's going to be their go-to provider or their PCP, where they start kind of having one of these symptoms that we just mentioned earlier, and they would consult with their provider who would usually start with doing a physical examination, digital rectal examination. And he would, they would order some studies like urinary flow study, where they measure how much urine is remaining in the bladder. We call it post-avoid residual. That tell us how bad this prostate is big and compressing and not allowing the bladder to empty. So that's kind of that's a good idea. And then they would order some of the tests like prostate-specific antigen, PSA, to rule out like cancer, because that's another cause of enlargement of prostate. BPH is just to make sure it's a non-cancerous enlargement. So we want to make sure it's not cancer before we jump to treatment. And that's one of the key things to do in earlier evaluation. And recently, because of the value of the imaging, and we're also radiologists, they do, we do obtain often MRI, and it's a kind of a new study. It does give us an idea of how big is the prostate, the anatomy, and also allows to see if there are any suspicious lesions also to take into consideration with the treatment. Before we get into talking about this new treatment I know we're going to get into, I wanted to, just for the level set here for the listening audience, what are the traditional treatments for BPH? So the traditional treatments for BPH are usually very minimal or no symptoms, just watchful waiting. And as the symptoms progress, the providers may be prescribing medications for to relieve the symptoms of the compression by the enlarged prostate onto the urinary bladder and the urethra, hence relieving some of these symptoms. Ultimately, the more definitive treatments for an enlarged prostate would be surgical intervention, minimally invasive surgeries, or entire removal of the prostate, or prostate artery embolization, which is what we're going to discuss today. Yeah, and so let's get into that because I know of the others, but this is brand new to me, this idea of PAE or prostatic artery embolization. What is it and how does it work? So prostatic artery embolization is an interesting procedure. 
I'm just going to explain each of the terms to try to kind of make it easy. Embolization, we use often this work as interventional radiologists, where we embolize a vessel, but that entitles blocking the vessel. We use this technique. It's an old technique. It's a not the new technique. We use it often for patients who are bleeding and for patients who have cancer, where we try to selectively catheterize the vessel that's bleeding or having problem and would block that vessel. So that's the technique of embolization. The other word of PAE is prosthetic artery. So technically what we're doing in this procedure, pretty much trying to block the arteries that feeds the prostate. And the end goal is to make this prostate starve from blood and shrink and decrease in size. As we said, one of the main mechanism of prostate causing problem is like it is enlarged. Now going to the technicality, because the patient will ask like, hey, is it like a big surgery? Is it small surgery? Is it, how is it performed, correct? It is a minimally invasive procedure. And that's the key thing about this technique where there is no cut, there is no scars. I don't know if the people are listening, they've had a cardiac cath. It's pretty much similar, the concept where we try to access with a small needle, the wrist or the groin artery. And from there, we do the entire procedure. We start inserting small catheter using image guidance. And we try to selectively insert that catheter into the prosthetic artery. And we embolize or we occlude both vessels on each side using particles. This is more also like a specific way how we do it. So a question about that. So we're blocking the artery so that it causes the prostate to shrink. But when we block blood flow to organs, they can be more than just shrinking. They're dying. I'm assuming the prostate is fed blood other ways than just this prosthetic artery. So it's interesting. Remember, we can take the prostate. So the treatment for one of the treatments of BPH, complete removal of the prostate, surgical right. resectable prostate. So yeah, you, we don't really worry if the prostate has no blood supply because in fact, that's what you want to do. We want it to shrink and die or hmm. get smaller in size. But you're right. In fact, it may still get a blood supply. And that's one of the reasons there's a very low risk. It may not completely work, but most of the time it does. But that's a very good point that you brought up. Our, in fact, the technique has been developed over years and now we do it better because we developed the new catheters and different type of particles. And the end, in fact, to make it, make sure we block the blood as much as we can. In fact, that's the end goal, to make sure we starve this prostate from blood supply. I want to also mention talking about minimally invasive because we know a lot of surgeries are performed under general anesthesia. This procedure can be performed, or in fact, most of the time we perform it under either local anesthesia or cautious sedation. So the patient will come here like we do, like the procedure, they'll be awake. They'll be comfortable at the same time, but they won't ha have to go through the risk of general anesthesia, especially that this is a pathology of elderly where like they may have comorbidities and they may be contraindication to be under general anesthesia. So they may still get the benefit of this procedure without, even if they have significant heart comorbidities or lung comorbidities that may preclude them from being like a surgical candidate or general anesthesia candidate. And it's not a painful procedure. So I know some people may get worried, like, hey, I don't want to feel anything. <laughs> it's pretty much almost like getting an IV. <laughs> you feel right. that stick and the rest of the procedure is really like not painful, especially when we give medication that makes them relaxed, like sedatives. Typically, how long does the procedure take? So the procedure anywhere can take anywhere between one to three hours, to be honest. I and mean, that really is going to depend on the anatomy that we encounter the difficulties in identifying and safely selecting the prostate arteries on both sides. And we also want to, once we're there, we want to safely administer the particles to block the blood vessels while carefully watching, making sure that these particles don't end up 
elsewhere in unintended targets. So a lot of it requires expertise, being cautious, and, and time to perform the procedure safely and effectively. Yeah, I would assume that those particles going somewhere else is one of the risks of a side effect. Or are there others people should be concerned about? Yeah, so there are some potential risks as with any procedure, but these risks and side effects are actually very, very low with prostate artery embolization, especially when done in a center or being performed by a experienced interventional radiologist. Some of these kind of side effects would be pain or discomfort in the pelvic region after the procedure mm -hmm. or temporary difficulty in urination. This is typically subsides after a few days after the procedure and also possibly urinary tract infections or blood in the urine, which are actually even <laughs> less of side effects or risks associated with the procedure than comparable like surgical minimally invasive techniques. The unintended embolization or delivery of particles to adjacent organs is something that we essentially pay meticulous attention to during the procedure to when we're performing, make sure that that does not end up in unintended targets. And this is something that experience teaches us and also our technique that has developed over time has allowed us to do this safely. I would add one more point, like just to support like that with some numbers, like the complication like Chris overall is not treated like I'm talking about minor complication, like some blood in the urine, which is transient, as we mentioned, like these typically result five to seven days. These are not common. And they like, we're talking about like almost less than 5%. And these cases of non-target like embolization, again, this is like case by case that we're talking about case reports and we're talking about like less than 1%, like very rare. So they're not common, but obviously we still watch for them and try to avoid them. And if the patient asks us, we still have to mention, even if they're rare, because to be kind of thorough on everything that can happen. And this PAE procedure, how widely accepted of a treatment is this? So as with any new technique, it becomes more and more popular as, as our patient population gets to know more about it. And as we've done more and more studies, they're determining its safety and efficacy, this procedure is becoming more popular. So one of our jobs here during this podcast is to essentially educate our community, our fellow colleagues about this procedure, how safe it is and effective it is so that it could be added as a treatment option for our patients to consider. And an additional point I want to mention, in the medical field in general, there are so many subspecialties and there are so many development that, believe it or not, even us as physicians, we may not be aware of what kind of other colleagues, our colleagues can offer to the patient. Even in the same healthcare system, believe it or not, that can be tricky. And this is where like education and process come into play, where like we try to educate the patient and even us as colleagues of the like the procedure that we can offer for some of the patients. Because again, the goal is to have more option for each patient because some patient may not be candid for surgery, may not be don't want they're not tolerating the medication. It's good to have options, right? To have an opportunity to have additional option that you can go for. And this is where PAE is not the only treatment option. It's more to be added to the different modalities that can be offered to our patient population. I know a lot of patients are really concerned with the outcome. And I guess that makes sense, right? Is this going to improve my life? So how long does the relief from symptoms last after a PAE procedure? So the PAE is actually quite effective in relieving symptoms. And 
basically the significant improvement in urinary symptoms and the quality of life after undergoing PAE has been studied. Up to 80% relief of symptoms at three years or up to 75% at five years. So this is a very substantial amount of data supporting this. In addition to that, one of the advantages of the procedure, I would say, is that the procedure can be repeated. So if there is not relief of symptoms, the procedure can be repeated and the arteries can be targeted again and embolized. And this can be done if they didn't have a good first outcome or as expected. Or it could be done down the road three or five years later mm-hmm. if there is a recurrence of symptoms. You mentioned earlier, I'm not sure which of you, it doesn't really matter. You talked about this being a relatively new procedure. And then, again, I want to stress the fact that relatively new in medicine means it's been going on for years. You haven't heard about it. <laughs> but how has it evolved over those years? And are we expecting further advancements? Yeah, that will also kind of support the point that we just talked about, the how effective it is. And this all started like the procedure, as I mentioned, embolization is a well-known technique that interventional radiology use a lot for patients who are bleeding trauma. And it has been also used for tumor that are bleeding. Anytime there's a vessel that's bleeding, we got consulted to go like embolize, try to stop help with embolizing the vessel. And early case reports where this prostate patient had big prostates that kept the bleeding. That's one of the complications of big prostate. You can have blood in the urine. Mm. And after using multiple other techniques, the bleeding didn't stop to the point they requested embolization. And embolization was performed by embol- occluding the prostatic artery because that's the organ that's problematic in this case. So it was a PAE technically. But the bleeding stopped, but they noticed that the patient BPH-related symptoms also improved. So there were like a couple of case reports that this is how initially it started. They were like, where embol is occluding these vessels, like the prostate symptoms are improving. And this is where studies kept going and like bigger numbers of patients. And they were able to show that there's a good amount of improvement in symptoms just for BPH without even if they're not bleeding anymore. And you can tell that's already a big progress from like where we started to now being offered for BPH patients. And the techniques and interventional radiology was called minimally invasive and continuous development on smaller microcatheters. We have better imaging systems. So we were able to be more safe and more effective to even provide the procedure for patients who are not candidate or were difficult or non, not doable with previous kind of tools and imaging. So there's always a progress and we're getting better and better on how to do it to have better results. And there's always continuous research as well. I'm going to ask some rapid fire questions. And I think a lot of men listening to this may have these questions in their mind. So I'm hoping to get some quick answers as we roll towards the end of the conversation here. Can a man still father children after undergoing PAE? I know that's a concern sometimes with other prostate surgeries in the past. Absolutely. Embolizing the prostate artery does not affect fertility in men. And the key thing to mention, because it does not affect ejaculation to be more specific, because one of the surgical, like one of the side effects of some procedure, I would say, some of the surgical procedure, the known like TURP, for example, which is still the gold standard, where it stands to be resection of the prostate, may have a side effect on the ejaculation, which is called retrograde ejaculation. PAE does not have any side effect on that, which is something that really patients really consider because of that. And what about erectile dysfunction? No effect on erectile dysfunction as well, compared to other surgical, minimally invasive surgical techniques or uh, more invasive like prostatectomy. 
again, we're not saying the other surgical procedures, they have always these side effects, but <laughs> with PAE, this hasn't been reported. It's not even something that's been reported. And no increase in the risk of prostate cancer, I assume? True. No increased risk of prostate cancer, whether from the PPH or PAE, nothing has been reported so far in literature. Earlier, we talked about how long this procedure takes, but we didn't cover the recovery time, and that's always a concern. So tell me a little bit about how does someone recover from this? So typically, the recovery time from prostate artery embolization is a lot shorter compared to the more traditional surgical minimally invasive procedures performed. The procedure, the patients can go the same day home or the next day. And usually their discomfort from this type of procedure is very, very minimal and may have some minimal urinary symptoms the days after the procedure, two to three days after the procedure, and for which we would be seeing them in clinic and we can follow up these patients very, very closely. The Another advantage of this procedure would be the lack of Foley catheter placement or obligation to place a Foley catheter for this procedure, which is a huge, huge plus I would say, or advantage of undergoing prostate artery embolization. I would add as well that besides the rapid kind of recovery, fast recovery for the next couple of days, patients should expect some improvement in their BPH symptoms in the next couple of months. And we reassess them at that point, and we may be able to stop their medication if not decreasing the doses of the medication, because we know this medication may have some side effects. And that's also a big benefit of that. The size of the prostate, I know, is sometimes a factor. So how does that work with PAE? Can a prostate be too big to be fixed with PAE? That's a very good question. As we mentioned, who can be a good or candidate for PAE? That's a key thing. And one of the main, there is no prostate size limit. And that's also, as we mentioned, it does offer additional treatment option for these patients who may not receive like minimally invasive surgeries like TERP or the only option is prostatectomy, removing the entire prostate, which is, can be a big surgery. PAE comes also as a minimally invasive procedure for these very large prostate. And in fact, I just want to add, the larger the prostate, the bigger it has recruited blood supply. So the more effective that prostate artery embolization can be. So the larger the prostate, we see the greater the difference in the volume and reduction of the prostate. That just speaks to the physiology and how effective the procedure can be if we're using the right tool to treat the problem. Very good news. Two final questions, I think. If someone is considering this procedure, PAE, what questions, other than those that I've asked right now, what questions should they be asking their doctor? So I think the most important thing is discussing this with your primary care physician, consulting with a specialist like a urologist, or being referred to or directly contacting uh, interventional radiology clinic or expertise in that field, they will know more about prostate artery embolization. Okay, got it. So check with your primary care, check with your urologist and go from there. But what happens if they are unfamiliar with this technique? Is there something people should do to find healthcare providers or institutions that offer PAE? That's a very good question. In fact, one of the things we're doing is through these products, try to spread the knowledge. There is some role on the patient too, especially with the amount of resources we have, the internet. I don't want to like a lot of search engine, correct? That you can really type PAE provider locally and try to search reputable medical centers, I would say. Typically, academic centers are the one who is going to offer this kind of technique. 
because it does require a good amount of imaging and resources. We do have it, obviously, at University of Kentucky for our Kentucky male population. But I would say search engine, ask like UPCP, mainly like look for intervention radiologists. They can reach out to their colleague intervention radiologist who is going to be able to answer this question. If they don't do it themselves, they may send them to someone who can. That's great. Doctors Diab and Shabila, thank you very much for joining me on the show today. Thank Thank you very very much. much. Thank you very much, Hero. And once again, that was Dr. Chadi Diab and Dr. Andrew Shabila, both interventional radiologists with UK Healthcare. And I have been your host, Evo Terra. For more information, please visit our website at ukhealthcare.com. Again, that's ukhealthcare.com. If you found this episode helpful, please share it across your social media channels. Thanks again for listening to UK HealthCast from UK HealthCare.